Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Wooddale Church. Over the next hour, I wanna invite you to come and see what God has done. My name is Kyle, I'm the campus pastor here at our Eden Prairie location. And if you are with us for the very first time, welcome. We are so glad that you're here and we consider you to be our guest. And as our guest, we would love an opportunity to connect with you. There are two ways that you can do that here at Wooddale Church. The first is as soon as our service is over, stop by one of our Welcome Center locations. You'll find them out in the common space. And there are teams of people that are there that would just love to welcome you, love to wish you a Merry Christmas. And they even have a small gift, which is simply our way of saying thank you for being our guest this Christmas Eve. The other way you can connect with us is by filling out the connection card. It's attached to the service handout that you received when you walked in. If you'd uh, take that out now and you can detach it, start to fill out that uh, connection card portion of it. And then just a little bit later in our service, we'll take an offering. And as those plates pass by, you can just drop that in the plate. Now, as our guest, we promise not to bombard you with a lot of communication and we would never give your contact information to anyone else. We simply wanna let you know about the different ways that you can get connected into our community here at Wooddale Church. One thing that you should know about our community is that we are passionate about meeting the needs of others. So for every first time guest connection card that we receive this Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to make a $5 contribution to Freeset. They're one of our global partners and they work with women who are trapped in slavery in India, helping them find freedom. So you can make a difference this Christmas simply by being here and by filling out that card and dropping it in the plate a little bit later in our service. Here at Wooddale, we are a church of all generations. So parents, if you are here with your kids and they get a little bit restless in the service, that is okay with us, no, no problem whatsoever. But if you would feel more comfortable, we do have a family viewing area. It's located on the other side of our lobby. If you just step out at any point in the service, folks can direct you that way or there's some great signage over to that family viewing area. In just a few moments, we're gonna be joined by our senior pastor, Dale Hummel, as he gives a message about how Christmas came to be. But before we do that, we'd like to start our service with some singing and we need your help. So would you please stand as we prepare our hearts to worship and would you just wish a Merry Christmas to those around you. And a special Merry Christmas to those of you who are joining us online. We are so glad you're there online and consider you to be part of our congregation this evening. Merry Christmas. Well, it's great to sing with you. Many of you know these carols. Would you lift your voice and sing them with us today? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Join. 
special to come on Christmas Eve and sing together. Isn't it great? That's when you say yes. That's great. You guys really do sound awesome. I know we celebrate on Christmas when Jesus Christ, he came to the earth. He came to the world to save us. He became flesh and blood for you and for me. And we have a, a great God. He's the creator of the universe. And yet he descended to our level as his plan of salvation. We have a great God who would do that for you and for me. If you've been part of our community before, you know this chorus that we sing, and it just simply talks about God's goodness and his greatness. And we want our posture on Christmas to be one where we worship. We come just like the wise men, just like the shepherds, to be in his presence. We're in his presence right now because of his Holy Spirit. And so I would like for us to just enter into a moment, a moment more of worship where we acknowledge what he's done, we acknowledge who he is. For this song of Advent in this season, we acknowledge your greatness, God. Would you sing this with me? And no sky contains, no doubt restrains all you are. The greatness of our God. I spend my life to know, and I'm far from close to all you are. The greatness of our God. We we'll just sing that again. Come on. And no sky contains, no doubt restrains all you are. The greatness of our God. I spend my life to know, and I'm far from close to all you are. The greatness of our The greatness of our God. Once more, come on. All you are. The greatness of our God. So, Father, we've come into this place, Lord, to worship you. Lord, to celebrate the gift that you gave to us on Christmas of Jesus. Lord, that gift of salvation. Father, we come into this place, and Lord, just in the stillness of this room, Father, we just stand in awe of your greatness. Lord, we need to be reminded that you are a great God and you are greater than any circumstance or situation that we may be facing. Lord, any difficulty or trial that may come our way, even our, our own doubts. God, you're, you're greater than all of those things. So much of your greatness was on display as you brought a way for us to be in relationship with you. Well, that's what Christmas is all about. So Father, as we, as we come now and we hear more of the story of Christmas, Lord, help us to understand how we fit into that story and the invitation, God, that you have for each and every one of us. It's no mistake that we're here in this room or watching online this evening. So Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us individually. Lord, let us know how great you truly are. It's in your name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Well, it is Christmas Eve. 
but it's also a Sunday. And so this is the time in our service that we continue worshiping God through the giving of our gifts and offerings. And this offering will be for our, our ministry fund here at the church, what we normally would do on a Sunday. So if you're a guest, this is not for you. Uh, now is the time when we pass those plates, you can just drop that connection card in. Really this offering is for those of us that consider Wooddale Church to be our home church. And for those of us that do, this is an opportunity for us to worship God and an opportunity for us to remember the words of Jesus when he told us that where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. So this Christmas, let's worship God by showing him that our heart is with him, by being generous back to him with a portion of what he has given to us. Join with me in prayer for the offering. Father God, we're so grateful for the gift of Jesus that you gave to us on Christmas. And Father, it's because of Jesus that we know that you are a good and a generous God. And so Lord, now we wanna worship you. We wanna acknowledge that, Lord, that we love you and that we trust you. And one of the ways that we do that is by giving back a portion of what you have given to us. So Father, I pray that the gifts that are now given would bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus, amen.
Alright, sweetie, lights out. Daddy. What? Why did Jesus make Christmas? It's actually a good story. Would you like to hear it? Well, the story starts in the very beginning. God created Adam and Eve. He calls it good. Hmm, very good. And God gave them a deliverer named Moses, who told Pharaoh to let, let my, my people go. Well, did you see the movie where they finally made it to the promised land? They needed a king. All right, where were we? Oh, yes. Okay, the Israelites needed a king. And God gave them King David, who became king after fighting the giant, the Goliath. There were lots of years that were just really hard for the Israelites. Kind of like how six was a hard year for me. Really, six was hard for you? Well, they had a hard hundreds of years. They were really bad at listening. Daddy. Yes? I thought this was a Christmas story. Oh, it is. You have to hear the whole story. Well, God gave the Israelites many kings, but the kings did not listen to God. At this point, the Israelites were pretty helpless. Daddy. What? Did God ever rescue his people? God promised Abraham that through his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. As we study the Bible, we discover that it was actually a descendant of the family of Abraham through the line of David who would bring the blessing to the world. This messianic king would come and sit on David's throne, restore us into right relationship with God. But when you look at David's life, you realize as good a king as he was, he was a sinful man. When you see his children and the children's children's children, etc., they all were sinful people too. So the question becomes, well, who's worthy then to restore us back into right relationship with God? Who is this righteous king in fact, it gets to the point where you begin to wonder if God is not going to keep his promise or if his work can even be trusted at all. Things get that bad in Jerusalem. But that's why we're thankful for these group of men called the prophets. See, the prophets were God's voice in that day who remind us continuously that when we are faithless, God is always faithful. One of those prophets was a man by the name of Isaiah. And he said that the restorer, the king, would come. He would take on the sting of death. He would be pierced, as it were, for our sins. And then he would die, which makes you wonder how he's going to rescue us if he's dead. He says that he'll also come back to life again. He'll impart to us forgiveness and a new heart relationship with God. So the question is still, who is that king? And how does that king's death restore us in a right relationship with God? Well, to answer that question, we need to take a trip. We need to visit a place in Israel called Nazareth. Nazareth is located in the hills of Galilee. 
And there in the little town of Nazareth was a young girl who was a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. One day, the angel Gabriel came to visit her and said, you are highly favored. God is going to allow you to bear his son, the son who will one day rule on David's throne. He will rule the world righteously. Mary thought about it. She was a bit perplexed. After all, she was a virgin. How was this going to happen? The angel said to her, the God who places the stars in the sky can place his son in your womb, and Mary believed. But there was one problem. Her fiancé, Joseph, how was he going to take the news when he believed that what happened in her womb was of God? Well, the angel came to Gabriel and told him not to put Mary away, but to take her as his wife. And indeed, what was happening in her womb was the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And just like Mary... Joseph, too, believed. Nine months later, Mary was ready to give birth. And about that time, Caesar Augustus made a decree that everyone needed to return to their ancestral home and register for a census. Well, Mary was from the line of David. Joseph was from the line of David. That meant that they had to take the very arduous and difficult journey all the way down to Bethlehem. But when they got there, we are quite surprised to discover that the city was filled with inhabitants and people who were visiting. Nobody knew that so many people claimed Bethlehem as their ancestral home. There was no place for them, and so they ended up having to stay in a stable where the animals were kept. And that is where God's son would be born. Meanwhile, out in the fields, the shepherds were watching their sheep when suddenly a host of angels appeared to them, greeted them, and let them know that today in Bethlehem, the Son of God had been born, salvation for the world. As soon as the shepherds heard that, they left for Bethlehem. And just as the angels said, they found the baby being laid in a manger, the feeding trough of the animals. And there they, along with Mary and Joseph, worshipped God in awe and wonder, God becoming a child, a human being. When the shepherds left, they told everybody what they had heard and what they had seen. And when the people heard the shepherds, they were absolutely amazed. Well, about 30 years passed by, and the baby became a man, and Jesus began to teach about God's love. In fact, he also forgave. He healed. He delivered. He literally made all things new for people. They began to believe that he was the Messiah. But Jesus warned his followers that in order to rescue them, he would have to take on evil. And at first, it would appear that evil would have victory over him. But through his death, he would crush evil. But that didn't make sense. How does a dead God have victory? It seemed like evil won the day. But as Jesus promised, three days later, his father rolled that stone and resurrected his son to new life. It is in this resurrected life that Jesus is now able to come to mankind and in his grace offer forgiveness and restore us to the right relationship with God. The only requirement is that we believe in who he is and what he has done. This belief is so important that before Jesus died, he asked his disciples one day, he said, who do men say that I am? And one of them, Peter, responded and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. As we come to this Christmas Eve, Jesus asks us the same question. It's recorded for us 
over in Matthew chapter 16. But what about you, he asks. Who do you say that I am? I want us to think about that question for a few minutes. I want you to imagine this Christmas Eve, Jesus coming up to you and asking you, who do you say that I am? How would you respond to him? I'm going to guess that most of us, many of us would say, well, I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God. But that begs another question, if you believe that. The question that it begs is, so what? What difference does it make if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? The reason that's an important question is because Jesus came to be a change agent. Jesus came to change our status with God and to change our relationship with God. The Bible makes it really clear that all of, it, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. What that simply means is we're all born sinful human beings. We all have inherited our first parent's nature. That's why I know we're all related to each other. No matter where we come from, no matter what we look like, male or female, it doesn't matter. We are all sinful human beings. The telltale sign is selfishness. We are all self-centered, some more than others, but we have that gene in us, so to speak. And that's what separates us from God. God says the only way that we can have a relationship with him is if we're perfect and nobody is perfect. We joke about it, but nobody is perfect. And the consequences is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God. So here's mankind in this situation where we can't make ourselves right with God. No matter how religious we are, no matter how generous we are, no matter how many gifts we are, we give, no matter what we try to do with our lives, it doesn't matter. None of us will ever be good enough for God. And that's where Christ comes in. God sends his son. God takes on human flesh. He's born as a vulnerable baby. He grows up as a man. And then he's crucified on the cross. And on the cross, he literally dies our death for us. Imagine God is like this huge divine sponge It says, so Christ soaks up all our guilt, soaks up all our shame, soaks up all our condemnation, judgment, extracts it all from us, takes it on himself, and dies to the sins of the world. So the Bible says. And in resurrection, he proves he's victorious, and he offers us forgiveness and eternal life. In other words, he offers to restore us in a right relationship with God. And when a person puts their faith in Christ, what they receive is this clean bill of spirituality, so to speak. What I mean by that is, when I put my faith in Christ, who Christ is is credited to me. He becomes my substitution. In other words, God looks at me, looks at you, and he sees us as though we had never sinned in the first place. Even though we know we're sinful people, even though we know even after accepting Christ, we continue to struggle, it has nothing to do with my spiritual relationship to God. That's all based on what Christ did for me. There's no religion in the world that teaches anything like that. There's no religious leader that can promise to do that for us. Only God and God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God offers us this free gift, and he just says all we have to do is believe. But, you know, a lot of times people struggle with what does it mean to really believe and trust in God? Well, all of you are demonstrating it for for each other this Christmas Eve. See, when you walked in, you all made a choice to sit wherever you're sitting right now. And you didn't stare at the pew for five minutes and debate 
whether it would hold you up or the chair you're sitting on and wonder if it would take your weight. You just sat down. You haven't thought about it until I just brought it up. Not if you have been white-knuckling it through the service thinking, I hope this thing doesn't break. I hope it doesn't break. I hope it doesn't break. I hope it don't fall. Of course, you're all thinking about it now since I mentioned it. What did you do? You just plopped yourself down. You have trusted the whole weight of your being to that piece of furniture. That's what it means to trust Christ. Imagine Christ is the furniture. He says to us, I just want you to rest the weight of yourself on me. The weight of your sin, the weight of your guilt, the weight of your shame. Just rest it on me. I'm going to take it from you. It's a matter of faith for you to accept it. And sometimes, you know, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Others may remember what we've done wrong, but God says, I will choose not to remember that. Others may hold it against us. God says, I won't hold it against you. If you're sincere, I'll forgive you. That would be nice if God then just, you know, took us home to heaven, so to speak, after we accepted him. But he leaves us here on earth because this is the mess we have made. And in this mess, he calls us to be a light and a witness for him, to show people the way out by our words and by our actions. And though we live in the consequence of living in this world is we will suffer, we'll have pain, we'll have difficulties. But he says, even in that, he'll be with us. He'll be with us in our cancer. He'll be with us in our loss. He'll be with us in our pain. He'll be with us when we don't make the grade. He'll be with us when we don't get the job. He'll be with us in every situation. He'll be with us even in the best situations as well. And Christ came. He lived amongst us. He's experienced it all. Doesn't ask us to go through something he's not experienced in some measure, in some way. He can relate to our pain and our suffering. But he says, even though it may not make sense to us, if we'll just trust him, even our pain and suffering can be used for his glory to put the light on him and deflect it away from ourselves. Some of the most spiritual people I've ever known, some of the most godly men and women I've known have suffered terribly. But there's an amazing presence of God in their life because they so trust him. And that's why Jesus says, even in this life, we are to trust him with just more than forgiving us our sins. We're to trust him with our fears and our worries and our concerns and our hurts. Jesus once said, come unto me, those of you who carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Well, how can he give us rest if we're carrying a heavy burden? We just have to offload the burden to him. Say, God, I don't get it. You're sovereign. You're in control. I've known many people, I know people right now who've done that in the midst of their suffering, and there's a peace about them even in the storm of their life. It says, give me your hurts, your worries, and I will give rest to your souls. So just for a moment, let's turn your palms up and just rest them on your lap if you don't mind. You don't have to, obviously. I want to ask you a question. When you just look at your palms for a moment. What are you carrying in your hands? What are you carrying in your arms right now? Is it sin? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it habit? Why are you hanging on to it when God says he'll take it from you? Is it a hurt? Is it a fear? Is it an anxiety? Is it a concern? Why don't you give it to him right now? As you think about those open arms and hands, I want to tell you about a phone call I got nine years ago. Nine years ago, I got a phone call from my wife. She was down in San Antonio, Texas, and she said that our first grandchild, our granddaughter, had been born. 
I was so excited. I couldn't wait to go down and see and hold my granddaughter. So when I got the the most convenient flight I could to get down there, I got on that plane and I showed up and I got to the house at 12.30 a.m. in the morning. I was wide awake and ready to go. My heart was beating with excitement and joy. I'd been praying all along for her pregnancy and for that child in her womb. And I'll never forget walking into their house. And as I did, my daughter emerged from the bedroom and her husband with her, my son-in-law. And she had in her arms that tiny little infant, Catalina. And I held up my arms kind of like this. And she presented my granddaughter to me. And I took possession and became very possessive. (laughs) And I remember holding her there. She'd been a little bit fussy. She was keeping my daughter up at night. And I thought, I'm going to bless my daughter. I'm going to take her for a couple hours. I turned, I took my right hand, I kind of turned it around underneath Catalina. She's only like a week or so old at this point. And I brought her close into my chest and I sat down on the couch and I leaned back all the way until she was resting on my chest and I began to pat and rub her back and she got quiet and began to snuggle. And I experienced something that researchers tell us not only mothers and grandmothers experience, but fathers and grandfathers experience is called a baby high, H-I-G-H. And I really did. It was amazing. I felt this warmth just come over me. I felt this love. I felt this peace. I felt this, I felt this, this um, connection, this deep connection with her. It was like a drug. I didn't care about anybody or anything else. It, I was in the moment. It was like heaven to me. It was so wonderful. And I've had that joy with four of my grandkids, that same experience. It's like they take over and the researchers tell us part of it's, you know, the bonding hormones that are going on. And they say part of it's a mystery. You can't even explain. As we come this Christmas Eve to the manger, God says, empty your hands. Get rid of all that stuff. I want to place my son in your hands. Take him close to your heart. Let him bring you peace and let him bring you calm and let him bring you joy. And trust him. Trust him one day at a time. So God calls us to live by his one day at a time. Really, he does. Doesn't call us to live in yesterday. That's done. Doesn't call us to live in tomorrow. Who knows what tomorrow will be like. Just live right now with Christ in you, trusting him for today, which is hard in a culture like ours because we, we kind of want the whole, we want the whole agenda laid out for the entire, you know, 2018 and beyond. We want to know what, what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. We want to position ourselves and be ready for it all. And God doesn't work that way. God says, I give you manna each morning just for the day. My mercies are new every morning. Trust me today. That's a good way to live. One day at a time, as trite as it sounds, is true. And with God, it makes all the difference. So I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to quiet yourself because you've been so busy and life's just been hectic and crazy. Just quietly let me guide you for a few moments in prayer. If you want to keep your hands open in your lap, you can. Let me just ask you some reflective questions. 
What is in your hands right now? What are you carrying right now other than Christ? Why don't you let it go? Why don't you give it to him? If it's guilt and fear and shame, whatever that is, let him, let him wipe it away. Let him forgive you. If it's Jesus in one hand, in 2017, you've been picking up a whole bunch of other stuff in the other, just drop the stuff in the other. Trust him a day at a time. You can't change tomorrow today. You say, well, I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus. That's okay. God doesn't want you to exercise blind faith, neither do I. Maybe what you need to do is just trust him. Maybe what you need to do is just explore who he is. In fact, this January, you got a series coming up on what does it mean to be an authentic Christian, like a real follower of Jesus. I invite you to come back and listen and discuss and dialogue about that. I mean, if he is who he claims to be, you can't ignore that question. You need to wrestle it down. What do you really believe? Father, we just... um, we sit here before you, I stand here before you with these open arms, God. Tell us what's in our arms. If it's a bunch of stuff, I just pray, give us the grace, the faith, to just lay it down at the foot of the cross. If it's just guilt and shame and, And the things that people told us are wrong with us and bad about us, Lord, we just hand it over to you. They're not our God. You're our God. You're a forgiving God. And we just give it to you right now. And I thank you, Lord, that no matter what we've done, you forgive us. And I thank you that no matter how many times we've done it, you say if we're sincere, you'll forgive us. Help us to listen to the truth and not to that negative voice in our mind. Lord, some of us, We know you, we love you, we follow you, but God, honestly, we've also accrued a whole bunch of other stuff in our life that's taking time away from you, and we just want to let that go. We just want it to be you. So Lord, hear the prayers of your people all over this room. Holy Spirit, please speak individually to them right now in a way that they know it's you. And Lord, bring them to that place of settledness and calmness in you. We ask you in Christ's name, amen. You know, on Christmas Eve, we do a very special gift offering, Christmas Eve offering that goes totally toward meeting the needs of those who are extremely less fortunate. We've been working with some refugees in Amman, Jordan, that nobody else is helping. The UN, nobody else is helping. They're not a big enough group. They're thousands, but they're not big enough for these agencies to help. We've been trying to minister to 1,000 people, about 160 families, mostly women and children, by providing food, medicine, some education, some clothing. Now we would like to help them take the next step of developing their own little businesses so they can be self-sustaining. Many of them, um, many of them have daughters. Many of them are young women who are sold into marriages to older men. It's tragic. Many of them are then put into the sex trade. We also have a ministry we work with in India called Freeset in Calcutta, and they take girls off of one of the biggest brothels in Asia off the street, retrain them, and, and give them health care and dignity and, 
and help them become productive. A couple hundred girls have been helped so far. We want to help with more. And that becomes really important to me when I think about Mary, this teenage girl that God chooses. I mean, in making that choice, God sends this big statement how much he values women, how much he values these young girls. When they lived in a culture that totally devalued them, he makes one of them the mother of his son. So we'd like to help some Marys in Calcutta, some Marys over in Aqua, Jordan. We're trying to raise 200,000. We had a gift of 35,000. There are many others that have given gifts. If all you can give is a dollar, I want to tell you something, that dollar matters a lot. And it all goes there. I know, I know the, the leaders of the organizations we work with, they are godly people who love God. And it really goes to make a difference. So I want you to watch this little video and afterwards, if you feel led to give, you'll be able to do that. Lord, I pray, help us to help more young women. Give them hope and give them dignity. In Christ's name, amen. was 13, she was about to be sold into early marriage to a 60-year-old man. Through Wooddale's efforts, we were able to give money to the family for food and medicine so this early marriage did not happen. I had the privilege of visiting Naja's home. Naja lives with her mother, her aunts, her grandmother, and many children. Naja's mother and her two aunts don't know where their husbands are. She knows she is worth more than a commodity to be sold into early marriage. She actually wants to be a human rights attorney. In the town of Aqaba, Jordan, Wooddale has given money to help approximately 160 families. The money goes toward food, medicine, and alternative education. The bottom line is this, no girl ever sold. Your donation to the Christmas Eve offering will go to prevent women and children from being sold, whether it is a Syrian refugee in Aqaba, Jordan, to help them create businesses. This moves these families from a relief situation to a restoration solution or a woman connected to Freeset in Calcutta, India. Covering skills training costs for 35 women coming out of the sex trade. Many of these girls were sold or taken from their homes and villages. Freeset began in Sanagachi, Calcutta, one of the largest red light districts in all of Asia. I encourage you to let this story affect your heart. And during the offering, pray about your donation and what God would have you do this year to help. Thank you.
also part of our tradition on Christmas Eve. We light candles to remind us that Jesus is the light of this world. Last couple evenings I've been sitting out the back of our house. We have a bank of windows looking out into the evening sky and the stars are out. I just always think about God. I think about the wonder of the creator and who he is. 
And as I think about those lights twinkling there in the sky, in the dark world, it gives me hope. Marcia and I, my wife Marcia and I were talking the other day, just how dark it feels in our world right now. In our own nation, just all the, all the hate, all the bigotry, just all the negative rhetoric and, you know, just all the horrible things are being said and done. I just want to challenge you, and I want to challenge myself. In 2018, we withdraw from that kind of behavior and that kind of attitude, that we not just talk about the love of Christ, but we show it, we demonstrate it. How we look at others, how we treat them, even if we disagree with them. We show grace. We are and become the light of Christ. It's fairly dark in here right now, but in the next few moments, as you each light a light, it's going to change the feeling, the complexion of the room. That's what God's able to do when we take him seriously. So I'm going to ask you to stand, our ushers to come forward, and then we're going to light these candles. We're also going to take some time to worship and sing that beautiful song, Silent Night, together. Be mm-hmm. 
Now see what you've done? You're thinking, well, I didn't do anything. I just lit the candle of the person next to me. And that's really, that's all it takes. Deciding to show God's love toward the person next to you, wherever you happen to be. Treating people with dignity, realizing they've all been created in the image of God, even our enemies, yes. That's how we make a difference. I thank God for you. I thank you that you've already begun that process by just a gift that you gave to help these refugees out and these girls in India. It's gonna make a huge difference. The new year will tell you how big a difference. In the meantime, unfortunately, we have to blow these candles out. You need to get on with your plans this evening, but the light of Christ can never be dimmed. Let's blow these out. One, two, three. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Christmas. More than the festivities, who it represents, the Christ, the Son of God, who lives today, we praise you, O oh God, for your Son. May his light shine in our lives and through our lives as a community of believers throughout the Twin Cities in a powerful way in 2018. We want to be used by you, Lord. Help us be conscious of you. And Lord, I pray for those who might be discouraged tonight. Would you please lift them up? Lift them up with a kind action by the person next to them, Lord, by somebody they'll meet. Those who suffered loss, fill the void. Those who are hurting, give them healing power and comfort, Lord. I just pray, may your spirit bear witness with those who are here and open to you this presence and love. If you'd like someone to pray with you, our pastors will be here at the front. If you'd like them to bless you, encourage you, you want to talk to them more about who Jesus is, if you prayed a prayer of dedication to the Lord tonight, you want us to know about that, we would be happy to speak with you. Other than that, I want to wish you on behalf of Marsha and myself, my wife, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless you. You're dismissed.